Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, February 13th, 2018. You know, a weird episode today because as I've been preparing, I feel like the segments I'm doing are a little longer, so I feel like the pace is going to slow down. But that doesn't make any sense. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down. Stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Don't believe me? Open up your Bible, follow along. You think I'm just... A, a nut job and that I'm a Pharisee and that I have a religious spirit. Yeah, I've been, <laughs> I get those kind of emails like all the time. Listen, I get it. Just open up your Bible, follow along. What we do is we compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching that is being put out there, Far from biblical, far from what God's Word says, not even close to what Christians have believed, taught, confessed, and been martyred for throughout the uh, two millennia of Christian history. Nope, like not even close. We're basically getting a steady diet of narcissistic, it's all about me scratching your itching ears, making promises for God that he never made (laughs) kind of preaching going on. And what's happening is, is that These people, because they are so successful, they are held up, you know, by evangelicalism as men and women of God. And as a result of it, here's kind of the weird thing. You think of somebody like a Stephen Furtick. I want you to think with me for a second. Stephen Furtick, what has this fellow done? Answer, he's built a large multi-site Mega Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. They've been around twelve years. Well, in fact, we're going to uh, listen into the you know some of their festivities for their twelve year anniversary today. Uh, but uh, what exactly has has he done? Let, uh, let me let me explain what I mean by this. Is that this is a fellow who habitually twists God's word and fills people's heads with utter narcissistic nonsense. He himself is. It, it is just a 
apparent that he is a complete narcissist himself. He is obsessed with himself. He preaches about himself. He teaches about himself. He takes biblical texts that are about Jesus and makes them about himself. But he is unassailable in the minds of evangelicals. Why? Because he has done the miraculous. Now, by that, I don't mean he's walked on water, nor do I mean that you know he's he's raised some from somebody from the dead. No, the miracle that he that you can point to that he's done is he has grown the the uh, mega church the fastest more than anybody out there ever, and that's not a miracle. But yet it's held up as he's a man of God. God is working in, in his ministry because look at the growth he's had. And who are you to criticize him, Pirate Rosebro Pastor Guy? You, you, you're just jealous. You, you, this is the kind of rhetoric that I receive. No, I'm not. Je- I'm not jealous of him at all. In fact, I actually feel terrible for him because if he goes into eternity without repenting, he, he there's a really, really good chance he's lost. Because he is somebody who doesn't preach Christ in any significant or meaningful way. He does not call people to repent and to trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of their sins. And he makes the promises of God all about attaining some special dream destiny thingy here in this life and some assignment and going and changing the world. Yeah. That's not the gospel. Those are not the promises of God. That's not the message we've been given to preach. But because he's pulled off the miraculous, he has built this ginormous multi-site mega church, you know, with hundreds of thousands of people tuning in around the world on a weekly basis that that that's the miracle that's held up and so as a result of it nobody holds him accountable and he refuses to be held accountable by anybody. In fact, Stephen Furtick, if you think about his ecclesiology, he is a law unto himself. He's practically a little false Christ running around out there in Charlotte, North Carolina. And if you critique him, you are liable to be, uh, well, <laughs> treated poorly by his Christ-following uh, followers. But they're not really following Christ. They're following Stephen Furtick. So, you know, just something to kind of think about. So first hour today, we're going to be just covering like some of the most popular people out there and demonstrate they are complete hucksters and charlatans and are not capable of handling God's word properly if their life depended on it. It, it, they just don't. So hour number one, we're going to start off with a Mariachi Trench Keith Craft update and the name of the sermon we're going to be listening listening to is called Launch Out Into the Deep. Launch Out Into the Deep. And by the way, Keith Craft is going to note that that is a direct quote from Jesus. Launch Out Into the Deep. And he's going to basically say you need to you you need to take your life and launch it out into the deep as well. <laughs> I'm not making that up. If you want to go ahead and head on over to Luke chapter 5 in preparation, for what we're going to be listening to Keith Kraft do with God's word. I mean, it's just it it just shows he is incapable of rightly teaching God's word. He's tampering with it, messing with the message and making promises for God that he has not made. We will also be hearing from Joyce Meyer today. In each of these segments, it will be a little bit longer. 
I, you know, I, I've maybe slowed the pace down by lengthening the content we'll be listening to, but it's still, you know, fast paced. So we're going to be hearing from Joyce Meyer, and she recently preached at Lakewood. So we're going to hear Joel Osteen introducing her. And I got to tell you, I went back and forth as to uh, <laughs> which update music I would use for uh, for Joyce Meyer. And for her, I've decided we're going to go with our Joyce Meyer update music. And then to round out our number one, we're going to head to Elevation Church. We'll be hearing just a brief bit from Stephen Furtick as he introduces John Gray, who he has invited to preach the 12-year anniversary festivity sermon uh, there for Elevation Church. So for him, though, for John Gray, we're going to play Stephen Furtick's update music. Hour number two, heading back to C3 Church San Diego as we listen to Pastrix, uh, Leanne Mathesius. Uh, by the way, there's no such thing as a female pastor. Yeah, God's Word forbids that. We'll be listening to her sermon titled An Introduction, and uh, that will round out today's episode of Finding for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We, Since we have a lot of ground we need to cover, uh, let's get to it. At, since we're going to begin with a uh, Keith Craft update, let's do this. These are the sounds of the Mariachi Trench. <laughs> According to Keith Kraft, the Mariachi Trench is the deepest trench on planet Earth. Now, I'm not making that up. Go into the archives of Fighting for the Faith. This is why we use this music for Keith Kraft updates. We're heading over to... <laughs> We're heading over to the Mariachi Trench itself, otherwise known as the Cathedral of Frisco, and uh, we're going to be listening to... Keith Kraft explained to us how Jesus wants us to launch out into the deep, which will demonstrate that he is utterly clueless as to what the Bible actually says and how it's rightly to be applied. So let me back off on the music. Without any further ado, here's Keith Kraft and his message, Launch Out Into the Deep. Here we go. It's launch weekend, everybody, but it's not just about Elevate Life Church launching. It's about God launching something new in your life. I just... I really? So God's going to launch something new in my life because it's launch weekend at the Cathedral of Frisco at Elevate Life Church. Yeah, that doesn't make any biblical sense at all. Is God obligated to launch something new in my life because you've had launch weekend there at the Cathedral of Frisco? You know, I I would argue that the answer to that question is an obvious no, he's not. Speak over you, and I've been speaking this, but it's not just time time for us to go forward, but in the name of Jesus, God's going to launch some things in 2018 in you like you've never seen before in Jesus. He's going to launch some things. Yeah. No, that's not vague at all. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like saying God's going to do something. Yeah, I know. Yeah, something. Yeah. So God's going to launch something new in your life. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for, uh, for for this to not be fulfilled because you sit there. If you were to go up to Keith Craft at the end of 2018 and say, you know, Keith, you told me that God said to you that he was going to launch something new in my life. I, I didn't experience any new launchings. Keith would sit there and go, well, let's kind of walk through. Did, did you do anything for the first time 
in in the year 2018 and you go well you know um about the only thing new i did is i started cooking um you know ethnic food from cambodia you know uh, see that's the new thing that god launched see i'm not a pro- false prophet see i told you god was going to launch something new in your life and you say <laughs> you go uh huh why do i feel like i've just been conned the reason why is cuz you have we continue Hey, my man. So glad you're here. Honored that you're here. And uh, I want to talk to you about some words Jesus spoke. How many of you know it's good to preach what Jesus said? I agree. I completely agree. It is a good thing to preach words that Jesus said. (laughs) That being the case, what he's about to do is pull a fast one. Hope you're sitting down. Here we go. And Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And that's what I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So did you know that Jesus is telling you that you need to launch out into the deep? And you're sitting there going, when did Jesus tell me I need to launch out into the deep? Well, it's in Luke chapter 5. Let me read the the text for you in context. By the way, the three rules— For sound biblical exegesis, they are context, context, and context. And I'm telling you, 90% or just a little bit above that, uh, 90% of the false teaching that is going on out there that is being spewed by guys like Keith Craft and others, you can easily detect it by merely going back to the passage that they claim that they're quoting and read it in context. Reading it in context will require you to read a few verses before, read a few verses after, to see what's going on in the immediate context of the passage. And once you see what the phrase says and means in the context in which it appears, you can, I mean, identify and sit there go, whoa, that guy's twisting God's word. Right on. So uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, otherwise known as the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing the nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, this is Simon Peter's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and... Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to, listen to this, he said to Simon, launch out or put out into the deep and let down your nets. Now, I'm going to note here, Jesus did not say to you, launch out into the deep. Nope, he did not. He did not say to me, launch out into the deep. And if you're going to be really technical and good exegesis requires you to pay attention to the details of a a text, Jesus didn't even say to Peter, launch out into the deep. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Jesus said to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Uh Uh-huh. And the launching here, by the by the way, putting out uh, the, the Greek word here, um, uh, here, hep, hepanago, it literally means uh, to put out to sea. <laughs> yeah, so launching out, it, it's, it's a term that is used regarding you know people who own boats. 
So what's fascinating to me is that, you know, eponigo is one of these words that is a, a nautical term of the ancient world. To launch out to the sea, to put out to sea is a nautical term. If you could see the video that I am looking at from Elevate Life Church, the whole theme there is a rocket launch. Yeah, no, uh, Eponigo is not that kind of launching. So uh, we, <laughs> we've got a real problem here. And so Jesus says to him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. By the way, he's not saying this to you, and there has never been a doctrine taught that because Peter was told by Jesus to launch out into the deep, you two must launch your boat out into the deep and also let down your nets. By the Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. This is a historical narrative. So Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. By the way, there's, there's a great punchline to the story. And Keith Craft isn't interested in getting to that. And so when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. So you're going to note the launching out into the deep to let down your nets is well, was for the intention of Jesus performing a miracle that would be a sign to Peter of who he is, of how holy he is, and who it is that he's dealing with. And upon seeing this miraculous sign, Peter immediately declares himself to be a sinful man. And Jesus says, from now on, you're going to be catching men. Mm -hmm. And so this is part of the calling of Peter to be a disciple of Christ, and he eventually becomes one of the apostles. So... That's really the gist of what's going on in this text, but like I said, Keith Craft is not interested in teaching this text. Keith Craft, well, as like one of the false teachers that we're warned about in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's really interested in scratching, itching ears and telling people what they want to hear. That's what he's doing. He's trying to create this expectation that God's going to launch something brand new in your life. No, he's not. And no, Jesus did not say to you to launch out into the deep. Mm -hmm. He said that to Peter and then told him, let down your nets. That was all part of the setup for what Jesus was about to show Peter as to who he is. And Peter ends up leaving the entire fishing business in order to follow Christ. We continue. When I think about launch, I think about this, that your life is one or one or the other. He's pointing to his big screen, and on the one side you see the space shuttle taking off, and on the other side you see a missile about to crash into the sea. Clearly it's been spiraling out of control. Yeah, that's not the type of launch that's talked about in Luke 5, and nor did Jesus tell us to launch out into the deep. It kind of looks pretty, you know, on the other side. We call that drama. 
A lot of drama going around in circles. But then God has a trajectory for you that he's wanting to take you places you've never been before. Yeah. Um, where in scripture does it say that? You want to be the picture on the left and not the picture on the right. Amen. So uh, let's take a look at the elevated or big thought for this message. And if you All don't. Right, so here comes the big thought. By the way, this is a, a major seeker driven concept regarding their their purpose driven type preaching. You know, what's the big idea in the sermon? So you're going to note the big idea is based upon a twisting of Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 4, we get half of what Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And so it's a complete twisting of the text. And he, so here's the big thought for the whole sermon. Notes, that's with the people in the aisles, they have notes for you. They'll be glad to give you the notes. And again, I want to say while we're pa- passing those notes out, uh, thanks to the mayor of McKinney, George Fuller, George and Maylee for being there. Thank you so much for being a part of us. It's awesome. The elevated big thought is God is calling you to go where you've never gone so that you can see what you've never seen and can be who you've never been. A little bit of a note. This could be true. It depends on what you mean. So his big thought is God is calling you to go where you've never gone, i.e. his presence, you know, his face-to-face presence. He wants you to go be where he is. Uh, Heaven until Christ returns, new earth after Jesus' return, and the new heavens and new earth are created. See what you've never seen, and that is the face of God, the face of Christ, and to be who you've never been, perfectly holy and sinless. You see, you could work this concept properly if you handle the text correctly, but that's not what Keith Craft is about. He is a ear scratching, scratching, is scratching a word. He's an ear tickling kind of fellow. We continue. So one more time, God is calling you to go where you've never gone, so you can see what you've never seen and be what you've never been. Why? So that you can do what you've never done. How do you know God's got great things in store for you? He's got a great. If by that you mean new earth, I totally agree. Cannot wait until Christ returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. Future for your life. Um, I've always considered myself an athlete, and the older I get, I'm holding on to that. I'm so keep- notice by what he just said, he thinks that this is 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 some kind of a promise of God regarding. The here and the now, how you live your life in the present. Nope. I'm going to keep working out. I'm going to keep believing that my body can do it. I like Dr. J. I I like his philosophy. He dunks a basketball every birthday. So I'm going to keep doing that myself and uh, just keep on keeping on. But I love love sport analogies. And when I think about Wayne Gretzky, who was – arguably the greatest hockey player of all time. He said, I skate to where the puck is going to be, not to where it's been. Yeah, that's great. Uh, And Gretzky was amazing. I remember watching him when he played for the LA Kings. But that being said, um, Gretzky's not one of the apostles. And his 
comment of, and about how he was so successful as a hockey player has no relationship whatsoever to the holiness, the sanctification that the Holy Spirit is working in Christians. And sometimes our life, uh, not only do we seem like we're on ice skates, have you ever been ice skating? It's a different experience. I was a pretty good roller skater, but I cannot ice skate worth a flip. And, uh, but you know, we, we, it's like we're on ice on little blades and, you know, when you think about hockey, and some of you aren't familiar with that game, but when you think about it, most people, their life is not the way Wayne Gretzky's talking about it. Right, because where in Scripture are we told that I'm supposed to have the Wayne Gretzky life? They're not going to where the puck is going to be or where they perceive the puck to be, but they're just, they're just going through life and, and living lives of reaction, and they're actually getting pucked. Really? Really? This is the second time in two weeks that we've had a seeker-driven vision-casting leader make inappropriate references to the F word. It doesn't come right out and say it. Or in, I'm sorry, in the case of David Hughes, it was... Uh, it was referring to the uh, Hebrews, uh, the the city in Israel of Shittim. Um, here, he just announced the F word both times. You know, four letter words inappropriately referenced. I mean, the, the, this this is not appropriate for any pastor. It's not appropriate for Christians. I'll just stop with that. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. If you want to launch big ships, you have to go where the water is deep. God, what? what? Uh, by the way, okay, that's a direct quote. The quote is from leadershipology.com. Leadershipology.com is a website created by Keith Kraft. Keith Kraft just quoted Keith, Keith Kraft. Unbelievable. You have a big life. He wants you to have a great life. And the fact is, is that when Jesus said launch out into the deep, there was a whole lot with what he was saying. Before I get into Luke, the <laughs> there was a whole lot of what he was saying. He was telling Peter to launch out in the deep and let down his nets. Chapter where we're going to be reading today. Uh, I came across a story about a launch of the Pioneer 10. It was actually in 1972. Very interesting story. NASA launched the exploratory space probe, the Pioneer 10. The satellite's primary mission was to reach Jupiter, photograph it and its moons, and beam the data it collected about this giant planet back to Earth. Scientists regarded this as a bold plan because up until now, or up until that time, no satellites had ever gone beyond Mars, and they feared that the asteroid belt would destroy the satellite before it would ever get to Jupiter. But the Pioneer 10 accomplished its vision, its mission, and much, much more. Flying past Jupiter in November of 73, the space probe continued its incredible journey towards the edge of our solar system. At one billion miles from the sun, it passed Saturn. At 2 billion miles, it passed Uranus, then passed Neptune. At nearly 3 billion miles in Pluto, at nearly 4 billion miles. 
By 1997, 25 years after its launch, the Pioneer 10 was more than 6 billion miles from the sun. It kept going until January 23rd, 2003. And what's amazing is, is that this became known, according to Time Magazine, as the little satellite that could. You see, it would send signals from 8 billion miles away. And these signals were through a radio that was a tiny 8-watt transmitter that when you look at the power of that radio, it was the power of a bedroom nightlight. And each message took more than nine hours to reach the earth. The engineers designed the Pioneer 10 with a useful life of three years. But it kept going and going and going way beyond anyone would ever think. I share that story with you because we believe around here, according to the word of God, that for everything in the natural, finish it if you know it, there is a supernatural correlation. What? So because there's this natural thing called the Pioneer 10, there's a supernatural correlation that I'm supposed to embrace as a Christian. Are you kidding me? Here's these engineers, some of the most brilliant minds in the world. Um, I have a friend of mine, Chris Parker, that's here. There's a rocket science, so I know she's leaning. She's a rocket scientist. She's leaning into what I'm saying. But there's a lot of smart people. But, but as smart as these engineers, these rocket engineers were, their best plan, their best hope was that it would make it to Jupiter and maybe last up to three years and it didn't just make it to Jupiter, one billion miles. It made it to the outer edge of our solar system, almost 12 billion miles when it was all said and done. And the, it lasted 31 years. What's the natural supernatural correlation? There's an old church song that says it this way. But baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh-uh. It makes me wonder, is... Keith Kraft suffering from a midlife crisis. Yeah. I mean, who knew that I was supposed to be exegeting the lifespan, the expected lifespan versus the operational lifespan of the Pioneer 10 space probe? And it, what it means is, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Y'all hadn't seen nothing yet. Come on, you haven't seen anything yet compared to what God wants to do in your life. Sorry, Keith, there is no biblical text that says any of that. And that in your idea that just because something happens in the natural, that means that there's a supernatural correlation. You totally made that up, too. I mean, wow. Talk about what a mess. All right, we are up on our first break. New Max Holiday this break, and be sure to listen to it. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Pyre Christian. Quick break, when we come back, we'll be hearing from Joyce Meyer, Stephen Furtick, and John Gray. Stay tuned, don't want to miss them. We'll be right back.
If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> everyone, I'm back! <laughs> Rex Quando here, and now we're going to have a revised intro brought to you by your very own Rex Quando. Ding! People, listen up. It's time for your training to begin. Um, Mr. Quando, sir? Please refrain from asking any questions until the instruction is concluded. <clears throat> Today's lessons include two separate training courses. The first being how to walk on water. And the second, how to walk through walls. This curriculum is from Bethel Church, so it was obviously very expensive. Hence the $400 surcharge. I, I mean seed offering. <laughs> that all nine of you so generously provided. Uh, the brochure I received said something about breaking both my legs if I didn't pay. That must have been a minor clerical error. Anyway, if all of you would kindly follow me, we can begin the first lesson. <laughs> Gentlemen, what you see before you is an Olympic-sized pool that will provide the perfect training ground for your first lesson. I absolutely forbid any recording of these lessons for copyright reasons. <laughs> we also can't have this highly sensitive information falling into the wrong hands, understand? First things first, in order to successfully walk across the pool, you must build up your faith inside yourself and believe just Hard enough. Can he give us a demonstration? What did I tell you about questions? I can't show you today because I did it for a class yesterday. It's kind of a once-a-week type of deal. You, you can't overuse things like this. For the purposes of today's lesson, I've added a little extra motivation. <laughs> if you look very carefully across the pool, you will see a tank filled with piranhas. With a simple pull of this cord... The piranhas have now been released into the pool. For our first victim, I mean volunteer, I choose Motormouth over there to be our first demonstrator. Oh, jeez. Now, just step up to the edge. That's it. Now, build up your faith inside yourself and believe. Believe. Do you feel like you're believing enough? I am. Uh, think so. Good. Now go! See, you weren't believing hard enough. Believe harder. Harder! Ugh, you're hopeless. Okay, who's next? Approximately two hours later. Okay, you lot are clearly not getting the hang of it. Time to move on to lesson two. 
does it smell so terrible in here? Okay, boys, welcome to lesson number two. Walking through walls. Your task is to build up enough faith within yourself. Run directly at the wall in front of you and pass through. To give you the proper motivation, I've made things slightly more interesting by locking you all inside of that trash compactor. Trash compactor? I have complete faith in you, men. Good luck. And they had such potential. Oh, wow, is that the time? I'm almost late for my next class. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, Our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to believe that Jesus never told you to launch out into the deep. Because he didn't. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three. See, i got to remember that. Three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. 
Uh, if you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and your rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Helps us have a steady foundation of of funds that we can rely on month after month after month takes a lot of the peaks and valleys out of it and makes it so that we can pay our bills, pay our employees and keep doing what we're doing here. Um, if you'd like to become a patron, you want to do this via Patreon, you can do so by clicking on the become a patron button. Or if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do that several ways. One way is to click on the donate button, fill out the information there, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, moving along, let's do this. You got to accentuate the positive limb. Minate the negative and latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. You got to spread joy up to the maximum. Bring gloom down to the minimum. Have faith or pandemonium liable to walk upon the sea. Yeah, that's right. So that means Joyce Meyer is up ahead, and she's preaching at Lakewood. And I'm just going to ask the question. This is going to be a little bit weird. We're going to hear Joel Osteen introduce Joyce Meyer. That's not the weird part. Joyce Meyer seems psychologically down. She seems a wee bit depressed or deflated. And in this thing that we're going to be listening to, she's talking about life after Joyce Meyer and her ministry going on and just you have to ask the question is something you know medically wrong with Joyce Meyer i i throw it out there because i don't know and uh, it it uh, this is the first time i've seen behavior like this from her at least to this level but uh, here's Joel Osteen to introduce Joyce Meyer here we go blessed to have you at Lakewood how many of you are glad you're starting the week off right honoring god do you mind standing with me one last time? And let me tell you that... By the way, if you were honoring God, you would not be showing up to Lakewood. That's a dishonoring of God because they teach false doctrine there. We are all, uh, we are so honored to have you all here with us today. I know you could be anywhere, but let me tell you, there's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than right here at Lakewood with our friend Joyce Meyer, the one and only Joyce Meyer. I know you're like me. You love Joyce. She's one of our favorite. Joyce has sown so many seeds into my life. I listen to all of Joyce's CDs and cassettes. Not <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. He listens to all of her stuff, which might explain why he's so theologically contaminated. Yeah. Once I hear him over and over, and you know, I get something new every time, but... Joyce could be anywhere today. She could be home, retired, kicking back. But you know what? She's still full of fire, full of faith, still anointed. And so come on, Lakewood. Let's give our friend Joyce Meyer a great big Lakewood welcome today. Good morning. 
good afternoon, whatever it is. Wow. What a privilege it is to be able to come together like this in a beautiful building like this. And, you know, I tell people sometimes, if I didn't say one thing that meant anything at all to you today, just being in this atmosphere is worth coming. Amen. Let's pray together. Prayer is important, so we don't want to take it lightly. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and so grateful for what Jesus has done for us. And I pray today that you would help me as I preach and that you would help the people listen. And bring- They brought a chair out for her to sit down in. Interesting. Bring things out of me that I don't even know, but they need and help them not to miss anything. I pray that people today who, they need an answer from you. There's people here today that they have to make a decision. They don't know what to do. Give them the assurance in their heart today of the direction they should take. And I pray that if there's anybody here today that's in pain or sick, that you would touch them with your healing power, even while the word goes forth. We remind the enemy that he's bound. He has no place here at all. And we thank you for freedom and victory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I believe this is my 19th year to be at Lakewood. And, um, She's going to be, at this point, selling books. Yeah, from the stage. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about a couple things, because I brought them, and I want you to buy them. Um <laughs> That was blunt. Really honest of her. Wow. Two books, both about trusting God. And you know, everybody wants to trust God, knows they need to trust God, and everybody at some time or other has a hard time doing it. Amen. Amen. And I said it is, it really... It's so much easier to write these books than it is to live them out. How easy easy is it to sell them when you're uh, preaching at Lakewood? In your everyday life. It's so easy to bring a message to somebody when you're on the victory side of life than it is when you're going through a difficult time. And so this is a devotional that's done very, very well for us. It's called Trusting God Day by Day. And this book is called Unshakable Trust, Find the Joy of Trusting God at All Times in All Things. And I've written about 116 books, but I'm going to tell you this. I believe this is one of the better ones, and I think that it's a book that can help a lot of people for a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she, she, she vouches for her own book, you know. Wow. I just want to give you just a few... Of the chapter titles. Because By the way, this is already sermon time there at Lakewood. Because they're messages in themselves. As soon as I can find where the chapter titles are. What is trust? Who can I trust? The uselessness of self-reliance. 
two very important chapters, trust God and do good. I said in the earlier part of the service this morning that one of the best things you can do when you're hurting or going through something is trust God. Yes, we always hear trust God, but Psalm 37 says trust God and do good. And I think that's the... If she were doing good, she'd be obeying what God's word says regarding women preaching. God's word forbids what she's doing right there. Doing good is equally as important as trusting God. You know, one of the most powerful things that you can do every day is purposely ask God to show you somebody that you can help that day. I'm going to say that again. One of the most important things... Now, notice she's just pontificating her own theology. She's not actually preaching a biblical text. And as part of what we're going to hear her say, no joke, she's going to talk about how she felt called into the ministry and how there were people who spoke into her life telling her not to do that. It's, it's an interesting thing that we're listening to. As you can do every day, don't just wait for God to try to make you help somebody. Get aggressive about it and ask God. Galatians 6 says, be mindful to be a blessing. Have it on your mind who you can be a blessing to. And especially, it becomes especially powerful when you do it and you're going through something yourself. And the last thing in the world you feel like doing is being a blessing to somebody else. I'm actually talking to you today about spiritual authority and knowing who the devil is and taking authority over him. And I can tell you that love is the highest form of spiritual warfare. Can you hear me? Walking in love, loving people, is the highest form of spiritual warfare. Um, If God is good, why do people suffer? Does God allow suffering? Reasons why we suffer. That took two chapters. Getting on the other side of suffering. Lots of good things. What to do in God's waiting room. What to do when God is silent. So I think you'll enjoy these, and I prefer that you get them, and I don't have to take them back with me. Yeah, you wouldn't want Joyce to have to take those back with her. Yeah, you, you better buy some of her books and stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Does it again? Is it me or does she sound like she is psychologically deflated? She. This is the flattest I've ever heard her deliver any message anywhere. I mentioned this morning that I heard a man that I've been watching. Uh, Online, who's actually passed away 40 years ago, a great, powerful pastor and Bible teacher named Martin Lloyd Jones. And first of all, an encourage. <laughs> Why are you listening to Martin Lloyd Jones? If he were alive today, he'd be rebuking you for preaching. Uh huh. Me that 40 years after he's been gone. I'm learning from him. And so it gave me encouragement that even after I'm gone, my labor won't be wasted, that people can still be reading books and hearing messages. And and, uh, Did you catch that? Even after I'm gone. See, I just... Does she have cancer? 
I know she's had breast cancer in the past. I just have to ask the question. Is she signaling to us that she's not going to be around for much longer? Because it sounds like it to me. We probably will try to keep my programs on television until it's obvious that I couldn't possibly still be around because people didn't even wear those kind of clothes yet or, you know. So they're already making plans for a post-Joyce Meyer, Joyce Meyer ministry. Okay. Look that way. But he said something that really struck me. First, he's an evangelical, and um, he actually pastored in England for a long time. And he said, the greatest deficit in the evangelical church has been a lack of teaching about the devil. Okay. I think that's interesting. I went to church. I'm sure you do. For I don't know how many years. Now listen to this bit. This is very interesting. Very telling. Was a believer and never heard a message about the devil. Never heard a message about how he lies to us, how he attacks us. And that really, you know, it, okay, that's weird. That's a shame. You know, Maybe talking about the devil doesn't sound like the most exciting thing in the world, but people perish for a lack of knowledge. You know, and many times you can be fighting with what you think is your enemy, and really that's not your enemy at all. For example, do you know that one of the ways that Satan attacks us is through people who actually really love us? All right, now listen to where she goes with this. So Satan attacks us through people who really love us. Listen to the satanic attack she believed that she received at the hands of people who loved her. I mean, they really do. They love us. They don't, they don't realize that maybe they're being used by the enemy. It's not something they're doing on purpose. But the enemy can actually come through people that really care about us. And that actually happened between Jesus and Peter when Jesus was expressing to him that it was about time for him to go to Jerusalem and how much he was going to suffer there. And Peter said, oh, no, Lord, this must never happen to you. It actually says that Peter rebuked Jesus. I don't know what kind of dumb you have to be to rebuke Jesus, but obviously pretty high up on the dumb scale. And um, why did Peter do that? Was he really, was he really concerned about Jesus that he didn't want him to suffer? Or did he kind of have it already figured out that since he was part of the group, that if Jesus was going to go suffer, that he was probably going to get in on a little of it. A lot of times people hurt us and they don't even realize that they are because they're really just trying to take care of themselves or they're trying to get you to do what they want to do. You know, when God first called me to do what I'm doing, it was unheard of, most unpopular, especially in the denomination that I was in. Yeah, women preaching sermons, women being pastors. God's word forbids this. 
and the church that she was a part of, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, before she went Kenneth Hagin Word of Faith, well, you know, they they abide by what Scripture says and do not permit women to preach and to teach and to be pastors. And so she is literally saying the devil was the one attacking her to keep her from doing what God had called her to do. But God doesn't call women into pastoral ministry. God does not call women to preach sermons. Uh-huh. At the time. And people just thought I had lost my mind. To be honest, I lost most of my friends, was ostracized by the family, got asked to leave my church. It was a very difficult time. Because you're a heretic. Difficult time. You should have repented. And those, you know, all those people started out by saying, now, we love you. (laughs) Yeah, they were speaking the truth to you. The fact that they spoke the truth to you and loved you enough to rebuke you and to call you to repentance, that's what they were doing was not the work of the devil. That was the voice of God calling you back, Joyce. We we want you to know we love you. And honestly, they really, truly did feel like I was wrong and that I was making a mistake for my life. But Know that you were sinning. The enemy was trying to use them. And, you know, if there's anybody that we want their approval, it's the people that we care about. Wow. So, yeah, there you go. The devil was the one using the people calling her to repentance for wanting to be a female pastor, to be a a female preacher, and, uh, and that she was caught up in the word of faith. She claims that it was the devil speaking through them. No, that really was the voice of God. Very sad, very tragic. And if you know anything about Joyce Meyer's health, again, she's, not only does she sound down, you know, she sounds morbid in her thinking. It makes me wonder if she's got some kind of major illness. I, I just don't know. But anyway, all right, moving along, uh, we're going to go ahead and play our Stephen Furtick update music, although we'll technically be hearing from Furtick and then John Gray. Let's do this. You twisted up the Bible so 
real gospel, heard the real gospel, and you're so vain. You probably think the Bible's about you, you're so vain. I bet you think the Bible's about you, don't you, don't you? Yeah, hard to believe it's been 12 years already, but it's the 12-year anniversary celebratory time for Elevation Church and Stephen Furtick, one of the kings of the Narsajites, a man who is a law unto himself and has no, and I mean this, no doctrinal accountability to anyone. And of course, because he is so successful, if you were to challenge or question him, well, you're just being a hater. You are somebody who is just jealous. And yeah, you, you, you are, well, touching God's anointed. Clearly, Stephen Furtick is a miracle worker of types because he has built the, one of the fastest growing multi-site mega churches in all of the world. And that's all that matters. See, God's working among him. And how dare you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get the point. Here's uh, Stephen Furtick. To claim that he had some kind of a prophetic dream and it will find its fulfillment in John Gray speaking for their 12th year anniversary there at Elevation Church. Here we go. Joining us online all over the world, it is a special weekend for us. We are celebrating the faithfulness of God and declaring into the future that he's... And declaring into the future. What does that mean? Us this far, but we're just getting started. Touch somebody say, this is not it. This is not it. So, real quick, before we move along, uh, I had a dream, a weird dream. I, I blacked out, and I dreamed that we were having church. And we were having church, and it was amazing, like always. In- yeah, and since he's had this dream, clearly this the, the dream is from God. It's prophetic, you know. The dream, it was like it was our anniversary or something, and like we had just released this project called Elevation Collective. And... All this weird stuff was happening that would never happen in in real life and just things that you dream about. And in my dream, I was I was standing on stage and and you were all there. And then this guy comes out to preach, to take the mic and preach on, on my anniversary so that I didn't have to preach on my anniversary. And I was like, wait a minute. Is that it can't be it can't be Pastor John Gray. Go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. Don't do it, because I'll, I'll go right with you. Go ahead and be seated. Is it me, or is that just all showmanship and manipulation? Yeah, I, I don't think it's me. I think this is just showmanship and manipulation. Yeah. Revelation chapter 21 and 9. Revelation 21 and 9, okay. Revelation, Revelation, Revelation. I want to give honor to your pastors for 12 years of commitment, supernatural favor, excellence, 
ministry done with the kingdom in mind. A heart for the communities. Yeah, Stephen Furtick preaches Stephen Furtick. He doesn't actually rightly handle God's word or preach Christ accurately at all. Why would anybody who calls himself a Christian be standing and giving this man an ovation? Unless, of course, they're disciples of Stephen Furtick rather than disciples of Jesus Christ. That they serve. Pastor Stephen Furtick, a revolutionary, a revolutionary, a man of great vision, the most creative, forward-thinking preacher, pastor in the world. We celebrate you and your wife, your children, your team this morning. We salute you. Happy 12-year anniversary, brother. Me and my wife, our kids, we love you. And all the campuses salute your leadership and the leadership of the team that you put together. We love you, sir. I don't believe in worshiping men, but I do believe in giving honor. Because God does the same. And if God thinks enough of someone to honor them, who are we to dishonor? Revelation 21, starting at the ninth verse, reading from the New King James Version. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone or clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes. How much do you want to bet the reason why he picked this text? is because it has the number 12 in it, and it's the 12-year anniversary of Elevation Church. In other words, he's going to take this text, which is about the new heavens, the new earth, the heavenly Jerusalem, and its 12 gates, which are named after the 12 apostles. And instead of pointing us to Christ and what's coming and what's promised there, how much do you want to bet John Gray is going to point us to Stephen Furtick, Elevation Church, and their 12-year anniversary. This is a total manipulation of the biblical text, by the way. Of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. I want to grab this scripture, the 12th verse. Also, this city had a great and high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates. And names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. 12 is a big number with God. It's a big number with God. 12 is a big symbolic number. It's deep. It's, it's spiritual. It's, yeah, it's deep. It's spiritual. Could you explain its deep spiritual significance, please? It's, it's all over the place. It's, yeah, it, it is. 12 tribes, 12 apostles. 12 gates. Uh, yeah, 12 is a pretty big number there. Um, could you please um, explain its spiritual significance for us, please? 
12 tribes, it's, it's 12 gates, it's 12 apostles, it's, it's, it's 12 months in a year, it's 12 hours in the day, 12 hours in the night. There's this revolution, something about 12 changes things. It, it's something about it just changes things. So note, he's not exegeting uh, Revelation 21. He's now engaging in word play, or should I say number play? This is some kind of weird form of numerology that we're listening to. Things. Nothing wrong with 11. Nothing wrong with 10. Nothing wrong. Some of y'all are like, I'm 11. What does this mean? I'm so confused. Just keep living. You graduate high school once you get past the... There's something about graduating. 12 is a number of order, of, of government, of structure. It's, 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 a, it's a, a number that's symbolic of graduation. It's Something is solidified when you get to 12. When you get to 12, you mean business. When God gets you to 12, now heaven means business. I want to speak from the subject, the 12th gate. The 12th gate. God's been looking to build something since this whole thing started. You can go to Genesis 1 in the beginning. Since what, what thing started? I created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. It's strange because if he was creating the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void, there's two questions. If he was creating, how can you create when something's already there? Um, yeah. You see, when it said in the beginning, Bereshit Barach Elohim, in the beginning God created, um, there was nothing and then he created. And then the, the building materials for the entire universe were there, but it hadn't been formed yet. This is why it talks about the Tahom and the earth being formless and void, the Tohu Abohu. Yeah, so um, you clearly haven't been to seminary and you have no idea what you're doing here with this text. But then again, it's really not about what the Bible reveals. You're just engaging in wordplay to tell us about Elevation Church and how significant it is that they've hit 12 years of being around. Because there was water there and his spirit was there and the earth was there, but it was without form and void. So from the moment of creation until right now, God has been firmly establishing something. He's been trying to build something. He's trying to establish something. And today... God's trying. He clearly doesn't know how to complete it, but he he's been making a good effort, a good effort at trying to establish something. Celebrate God's establishing of Elevation Church and what it means for the kingdom of God. And So Genesis 1 really is about the God wanting to do something and finally establishing Elevation Church. Yeah, no, that's not creepy at all. You all represent across multiple campuses, multiple platforms, and all of those who are watching online. There is a significance to today that cannot be overstated. This is not just a regular Sunday service. This is not No, this is a super spiritual Sunday service because, you know, 12. Just another weekend. There is something that has shifted in the spirit, and I need you to... No, nothing has shifted at, in the spirit. This is nonsense. By the way... If you want to talk about the church's birthday, go back to Acts chapter 2. 
with yeah the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. I don't recognize Elevation Church's 12-year anniversary as somehow, oh, man, so, something shifted in the atmosphere and the spirit thingy. Oh, yeah, the thing that God's been trying to establish. You know, Elevation Church, 12, whoa, 12, you know. Understand that this is not a time to be casual. This is a time for celebration because hell never wanted to see you get to 12. Hell never wanted <laughs> Elevation Church to get to 12. I would beg to differ um, based upon the fact that Stephen Furtick preaches himself, is a narcissist, and teaches for shameful gain the things he ought not to teach, and literally uh, scratches itching ears. I would probably argue that, you know, 12, a little over 12 years ago, the devil had his hand in uh, planting Elevation Church. Yeah, I think he was uh, instrumental in its founding. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back, head down to C3 Church, San Diego. As we listen to Leanne Mathesius mangle scripture. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No visions are cast here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and it's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at gillespie.coffee and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Uh. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. 
we preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. <laughs> to err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Fighting for the Faith Sermon Review Time. I don't even know what to make of this one. Don't even know how to set it up. It's just gonna uber sting. Alright, let's do this right. Good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon sermon comes to us via C3 Church San Diego. Pastrix Leanne Mathesius presiding. The name of the sermon is An Introduction. And let me read the description of said sermon, see if we can make any sense of this. Here at C3, we believe in a God who visits his people with power. What Jesus have we accepted into our life? Comfortable and casual or power powerful and life-giving? Let this message both encourage and empower you to live your best life. Yeah, it doesn't sound like repentance to me, but yeah, I think... You'll get the point. Let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here's Leanne Mathesius doing what a woman is forbidden to do, preaching a sermon. And this one's titled, An Introduction. Here we go. As I was sitting on the front seat here in our 9 a.m. service, I felt the Lord very strongly tell me not to preach the message I had prepared. Mm. Yeah, see, she, she got direct revelation from God. God said, no, 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 no. Put that one away. You got to preach this other one. So this, I mean, this sermon has its approval going all the way up to the top. Yeah, God himself wanted this sermon preached. Mm -hmm. The message that I had labored over for weeks and, you know, got down to what I felt was like the perfect thing to deliver today. But as I was standing on the front row, I felt the Lord simply say just to preach about him today. Um, mm, let, let's see if you do that. Um, to, to give you a revelation of Jesus that you may not have experienced. A revelation I may not have experienced. Not even sure what the language means. Um, and I want to tell, tell a little bit of my story, too. And I know that this is for... for I'm sure you do. 
many of you, your first meeting with me. So I don't want it to be just weird and me get up here and just preach a message and like it's our first introduction, right? So we need to get to know each other or at least you're going to get to know me. Whether you like it or not, you're ready in Jesus' name. So um, I want to start by saying I grew up in a Christian home. I uh, have four sisters. My mum and dad are beautiful people, Christian people. Been married for over 50 years. Uh, I am a farm girl. I don't know whether we have any farmers or ranchers in the house today. If we do, give me a yeehaw. Okay, that was a very, as a cowboy or cowgirl, whoever did that, you need to work on your yeehaw, all right? So, Gabe, stand up. Okay, this is, this is what I, turn around, this is what I want to see more of. See, I didn't know, I didn't know that I could wear my cowboy boots and my flannels. So next time, I'm doing that. Let's all do that. So I grew up on a farm. My family owned a dairy farm and we supplied milk to to the town for actually almost 100 years now. I was born in a little rural town in New South Wales on the east coast of Australia. And uh, I grew up in a beautiful Christian home. We went to church every Sunday. We were part of a church that uh, many of you would know as kind of like an Episcopalian or what we would call the Church of England, the Anglicans. And so I grew up in a beautiful church community and went to Sunday school and my mom sang in the choir and my dad helped count the money and do ushering and all that kind of thing. And um, we very much grew up in this beautiful little haven of a church family, but it was very traditional. And I know for for many of you coming into this place today, as you walk into the building, you're looking around and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what is wrong with these people? Why why are they clapping everything? Why is is everybody so excited? And, And I was like you one day. I remember as a young girl, I would have been maybe 12 or 13, and the the main city of of the town that I grew up in, we went to hear a preacher, kind of like a famous preacher. And so my sisters and I were sat in the service. Now remember, she claimed that God told her to just preach about Jesus, and she's not doing that. She's preaching about Leanne in a little old church and this guy got up and he was just so excited about everything and I hadn't heard a gospel like this or I hadn't heard the gospel preached like this ever before in my life and he said you know he made this this point put an exclamation on a point and said come on everybody let's give God a great hand clap and my sister turned to me because I'm, I'm nothing if I'm not obedient. So I immediately was like, you know, deer caught in the headlights, but I thought the man told us to clap, so I'm going to start clapping. And she grabbed my hand and she said, Leanne, we don't clap God. He's not a game show host. <laughs> so I was brought up in this very religious, um, traditional expression of church. And my parents were beautiful and, you know, I love the church that I was part of. But there got to a point in our family's life where we were needing something more. I wouldn't even say we were looking for something more because we had community, we had friends, we got a nice Bible study every Sunday. But we got to the point where we were needing something more. 
See, you know, many people will look at me today and say, well, she looks like she's well put together and she's been married for 25 years. But sometimes it's easy to look at people and make a judgment without understanding the backstory. And that's not the kind of church that we're building at C3 San Diego. We're, we're really building a church based on relationships and relationships take time. And I know for many of you, you're in here today and, and you're thinking, I wonder if this is all real. It looks too good to be true. People can't be that excited nor that friendly. Well, just hang around long enough and you'll realize that what you see is literally what you're going to get. We are who we say we are. But I realize that takes some time and we're not going anywhere. We've got time. But anyway, anyhow, my, uh, my father was in a position where unbeknownst to us, he had been struggling for many, many years with feelings of absolute self-loathing. Loathing. And it all stemmed from his childhood. He felt very rejected by his own dad, who was in the political arena. Never got to see his dad. Felt completely shunned and rejected. And as he didn't deal with those issues, he grew up into a man who was now a husband and a father who just struggled with his own self-image. And as a result, he struggled with eating disorders for many, many years. And things got so severe, he tried to take his own life three times. And now this was a guy who was born in church, raised in church, you know, didn't really have anything majorly traumatic happen to him, although the enemy loves to piggyback on our pain and come in and have us make vows that we'll end up paying the price for in our adult years. And so here's my dad, and he doesn't understand as he looks around, he sees this beautiful woman he's married to, you know, five beautiful girls, but for some reason it's like he is tormented day and night. And at that point, we went to a church that didn't believe a Christian could have a demon, which is great. Christians do not have demons. Nope, they cannot be possessed by a demon. So a little bit of a note then. Uh, C3 Church San Diego teaches that Christians can be possessed by demons. Yep, that means they probably practice deliverance and inner healing, which makes them an extremely dangerous church. Until you get one. And then you've got to do something about it. And so that really is the premise for this message today. As I was sitting there, I felt the Lord say, Leanne, I want you to tell the people what kind of church you're bringing to, to East County. And oh, yeah. What kind of church are you bringing to East County? Yeah. Not like any other church. And by the way, in preaching in this way, what is she doing? She is literally casting aspersions on churches that do not believe that Christians can be possessed by demons. You know, they they know better. Those other churches, yeah, they're just ignorant. They don't really understand. They don't really know, but we know. Uh-huh. And I know many of you are here today because, like my dad, you're looking or needing something to be different. And you can't just have religion as usual. You need an encounter with God. Well, I want to tell you you're in the right place at the right time from a reformed, religious, traditional woman who encountered with her very own eyes the power of God bring transformation into her family. So my dad, because he was pushed to a place of need, started to seek and look in the scriptures for himself. He'd be told, oh, you know, no, oh, the best we can do is we can, we can comfort you and we can give you your wife and your family a casserole as they cart your sorry self off to a mental institution to try to fix what's broken in you. And for a year, my dad was in what would be known as like a psych ward in Sydney, Australia. I mean, this again, a Christian man 
went to church but could not divorce himself from the voices in his head that told him he needed to end his life. And he got so desperate, he started to read the word of God for himself. And my fear is in in that the church today, a lot of us live our Christianity according to the sound bites that we we hear from other people. Sometimes well-meaning people that can be misinformed. Which text did he go to that proved to him that he was possessed by a demon? Yeah, I, I... By the way, Christians get mental illnesses just like everybody else. They do. We misinformed and we miss out on the fullness of who Jesus really is. Right. So we're not slamming all those other churches that don't teach that Christians can be possessed by demons. It's just that they're misinformed. And because they don't believe that you can be possessed by demons, they don't get to experience the fullness of God's things like we do at C3 Church. Uh Uh-huh. So my dad, again, religious, traditional, raised in church, told a Christian couldn't have a demon, realized he was oppressed by a dark, evil spirit. He found his way into a church that believed in the power of God to deliver people from evil spirits. He sat under the teaching. Yeah, I know very few churches that deny that God has power over demons. You'd have to find some kind of weird liberal church that denies the supernatural. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, this is weird. ...of a beautiful pastor who prayed for him, and he was immediately, instantly, and completely set free. And now the man that I described to you in that story is not recognizable as to the man he is today. I want to tell you, that's the reason why C3 Church is in East County. We don't want to bring more of what East County already has. We want to bring a church that believes and moves in the power of God. All those other churches, they don't move in the power of God, but C3 Church does because I have a personal story. Again, which biblical texts say that Christians can be possessed by demons? Scripture is very clear that Christians are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why would the Holy Spirit share the temple with a demon? to set people free. So I'm going to just kind of have a conversation with you today. Again, I put these thoughts... Just a reminder, God is the one who told her she was to deliver this message. It's together on the front row at 9 a.m. So it may not be polished, but I tell you what, it's going to be according to obedience to the Lord, and it's going to come from the heart. So... I want to start by reading the word, which is always important in church. So, No, that's not what you're starting with. The sermon is already nine minutes in. You started with an anecdotal story about your father, and you've already taught people that you can be possessed by a demon if you're a Christian. We're going to throw it up on the screen. Thank you so much, sound guys, who have just worked so hard to, to make this happen. I know that I didn't give you a lot of time for preparation. But I want to read a story about a guy by the name of Bartimaeus in the book of Mark, chapter number 10. We're going to start reading at verse number 46. It says, then they came to Jericho. And I need you to know that Jericho was known as a cursed place. And you might be here today thinking that you're here and there are all kinds of cursed, dead places in your life. Um, who says that Jericho was a cursed place? Which biblical scholars say that? They came to Jericho, a cursed place. 
where in scripture does it say Jericho was a cursed place in the way you're talking about? So that now my Jericho is whatever cursed place I might have in my life or something like that. Well, let's see what happens next. As Jesus and his disciples together of the large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I want you to know today that our God's mercies are new every morning. Maybe some of you have come in today and you've been overwhelmed with feelings of guilt and regret and shame over things that you've done or you're just gosh darn tired. I want to tell you today that God's mercy is inexhaustible. And you may have been told in churches before that you are not worthy of God's mercy. But I'm telling you, mercy is not for the innocent. It's for the guilty. Mercy is not for those who have been justified, it's for those who have been condemned. And here God says to you today, my mercy is sufficient for you. My mercy is... Now it is true that God's mercy is sufficient for us, and it is only the sinful who need God's mercy, and that will be everybody, indeed. And and it's because of God's grace and mercy that we are justified by grace through faith in Christ. Uh-huh. Is new every morning. And you may have come in a little bit like blind Bartimaeus with a very real need in your life. And I believe in Jesus' name that God's mercy is going to meet you today. All right. So, yeah, by the way, we, we everything. We, we are nothing but needy when it comes to God. We don't have anything in our lives that hasn't come from him, except for evil and things like that. But, I mean, our clothing, our food, all of the th- things that we need for sustaining ourselves physically, spiritually, psychologically, you know, those all come from the hand of God. Uh Uh-huh. He's a merciful God. And then um, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. I got to tell you, C3 Church, many of us have rebuked us and told us to be quiet, but we just won't shut up because we got something to shout about at C3 Church. He cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. I'm telling you today, you may feel like the least of the least, like blind Bartimaeus was. But when you cry out to Jesus with a need in your heart and a hungry heart, you will stop the very feet of the Messiah. You will stop and garner the attention of your God who loves you so much. Then throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And I'm going to stop even on that. I didn't touch on this in the first service, but I see that. Throwing his cloak aside. Some of you, like I was many years ago in that meeting where I encountered my first powerful preacher, are coming into this service and you're going to see things that are a little bit different. You're going to see things that maybe it's like, well, I'm just not sure. I feel like all my sacred cows are being tipped. I, I want you to I want you to just see this is all about how different C3 is because unlike other churches they know how to operate in the true power of God everybody else yeah no they don't know what they're doing 
throw the residue aside. Like just, you know what? I'm just going to throw aside all my past experiences, all my hurts, all my wounds from church people. I tell you what, church people can be some of the most merciless people on the face of the earth. And thank God that, that God isn't like most church people, that he's a lot nicer than most church people. And you're going to have a better experience. You're going to have a brighter day, but you've got to throw aside that old cloak of disappointment. You gotta- Right. So we're going to allegorize Bartimaeus's cloak. And now that's going to become the cloak of disappointment. By the way, I need to remind you, God's word forbids Leanne from doing what she's doing uh, as far as preaching, because women are not permitted to speak and teach in church. They're not. And, well, the other part of this is is that she's twisting God's word here while claiming that God told her to preach this message. Because she's mangling this text, um, I can say with absolute certainty, God did not tell her to preach this message. You've got to throw aside that old cloak of rejection that says I won't be accepted in church. You've got to throw aside that old cloak that says God can only move this way and no other and start to see Jesus as he really is. And the interesting thing about this story... Yeah, I'm pretty sure since you're twisting this text, we're not seeing Jesus the way he really is. Sounds like the Jesus you're putting forward is an idol that you've created. Is that blind Bartimaeus comes to Jesus and he says to him, what is it that you want me to do for you? And I believe that God is wanting to ask each and every single one of us in this room that question today. What is it that you want me to do for you? See, John 10.10 says the devil has come to kill, steal and destroy. And have we not seen, particularly of late, a whole lot of theft, destruction, and death in our world? Yes, yeah, see, here, here's the thing. Uh, John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And when you read the context of that passage, which requires you to go to John chapter 9, verse 1, and read the story in the previous chapter, and then keep reading, you find that it it's not saying that the devil is the one who who's stealing and killing and destroying no it's the false teachers uh-huh yeah boy are you sure Leanne god told you to give the sermon cuz you are overtly twisting scripture but that scripture doesn't end there that's not the end of the story The latter part of that scripture says, but I have come to bring life and life in abundance. And I want you to know it's not just life after you die in heaven. It is life and abundance here on earth. Yeah, God wants you to be loaded here, man. He he wants you to be rich and healthy and prosperous. Oh, yeah. She's scratching itching ears while claiming that God told her to preach this message. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Which is a great prayer for all of us. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I may not be blind, but I need, I need Christ's mercy. Mm-hmm. And why that's so significant is that it located the fact that Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, had a true revelation of who Jesus was. See, at that point, he had not been revealed as the Messiah. Many knew him to be a prophet, a great man, the carpenter's son. 
But very few people had a true and full revelation of who this Jesus really was. And literally when blind Bartimaeus was saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he was saying, I know you are the Messiah. I know you are the promise of our Father, that you will bring redemption, that you will bring healing, that you will bring forgiveness of sins, that you are the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of earth for the forgiveness of mankind, for the redemption and salvation of mankind. So Bartimaeus has this revelation and then everything changes. And I wonder today what your revelation is of Jesus. Mm, Yeah, what's your revelation of Jesus? I know for me, for many years, it had been cloaked in religion and all the things that God couldn't do. Or It's weird because what she's putting forward is a religion. Sounds like a false one. Or just didn't want to do. And so it wasn't until we got a point in our family where my dad was in desperate need of a miracle of deliverance that we started to believe that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. He was not who man said he was based on their negative experiences, their failures and their disappointments. He is every inch what the Bible proclaims him to be. And so my dad was set free and our family was set on a course of change. So I want you to know today that our God is Jehovah Nissi. He is the God that fights for you. And as I was standing on the front row, just at the, at the beginning of this service, I felt the Lord say, today there are people here today and you're in the midst of a really hard battle. And I hear the... Mm, so the Lord told her to say that. Right. Yeah, I have no reason to believe God's talking to her. She's overtly disobeying the written word of God while twisting it. Yeah. If God were speaking to her, he would be shouting in her ear, sit down, be quiet, repent. Yeah, something like that. The Lord wanted to tell you that he's going to fight for you. You know, everything in human nature has us wanting to fight for ourselves. Don't fight for yourself when you can let the Lord do the fighting. He's so much stronger than we are. In fact, the Bible says, through our God, we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our enemies. I know there are people here today and you're living under the residue of a false accusation. Something said, somebody said something about you that wasn't true. And the thing about rumors is if they're out there long enough, they stick. They leave a residue. And you're in a place right now where you're needing vindication. I want to encourage you, don't be your own PR person. Let God do the fighting for you. Let God be the vindicator. Let God bring his vengeance. Let God do what only he can do. God will fight for you. And for those of you today that may be in a position that my dad was in, where you've been tormented in your mind, and you have not been able to sleep, and you've thought to yourself, man, I don't know if life is worth living. I just want to check out. There is hope for you today. There is hope for you today. Because our God is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord who fights for us. And here's the thing. The devil that may be whispering in your ear and trying to lay a claim on your soul has to bow his knee to the authority that God has given you as his kids. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says... So the devil has to bow the knee to the authority that God has given me as his kid. This, by the way, is, uh, sounds a lot like the uh, NAR's sonship doctrine. Yeah, it's related to it if it's not the same thing. And this idea that, oh, yeah, you got to decree and declare it because you are a child of the king and all this kind of st- stuff. 
Now, it's true that when it comes to the demonic, Christians do have authority over the demonic in the name of Christ. This is most certainly true. But I don't think that's what she's preaching here. As that God has given us all authority over the power of the enemy. Does the enemy have power? Oh, absolutely. Look at the world around you. So you have authority over all of the enemy's power. You have to decree. You have to declare. You have to create. You need to speak your words. Uh huh. Look at the massive confusion that our world is in today. Look at the rise. I know. Look at the massive confusion. It, I'm hearing right here in this sermon from a woman who's preaching when God's word forbids it and twisting God's word while claiming to hear directly from God. Talk about demonic confusion. Uh-huh. ...of mental illness. You can't tell me that's not an evil spirit at work. But the good news is, as, God, as God's kids, God has given us authority over the power of the enemy. And we've got to start to wield our sword, you guys. Pull it out. Pull it out. Um, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That would be the Bible. Mm-hmm. Pull it out. You know what? Jesus sailed across a lake with his disciples. They had no idea where they were going. And all of a sudden, a storm rose up, and they almost drowned, but they didn't because God's destiny was not at the end of a, uh, at the bottom of a lake. It was on the other side. Uh, no, it's because Jesus calmed the storm. Yeah, read the text. Of the lake to deliver one person. And when he got to the other side of the lake, he was met with a demon-possessed man. And this guy was an outcast in society. He was so demon-possessed, in the story you'll find in Mark, that he ran around naked in graveyards, rubbing chains together. I mean, they are not the actions of a sane person. And everybody else had disregarded him, and he was just kind of like the village idiot in the town mental case. No, he was not the village idiot. He was the demonized man who lived in the graveyard. And they tried binding him, and they couldn't even do that. This guy was a bona fide example of somebody possessed by the devil or you know, and his demons. Man. But Jesus traveled through a storm to set one person free. Yeah. I want you to know today... What's going on in your mind and your life matters to God, and he will leave everything. Now, it's true that you matter to God. God demonstrates his love for you in that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for your sins. Everything else behind to come and help set you free. And the Bible says when he encountered this man, this demon-possessed man who many had labeled legion, he commanded the unclean spirit to come out. Who many had labeled legion? no. You read the text, Jesus asked the name of the demon, and the demon says, Legion, because we are many. Out of him, and it instantly obeyed. And then the Bible says in the next verse that then they found the man seated, clothed, and in his right mind. Can God change things? Can he turn them around? Oh. Of course he can. And I don't know any Bible-believing conservative Christian church that would deny that Christ cast demons out of this fellow and that then and that christ cannot do it today i don't know any church that denies that that actually says they truly believe the scriptures oh yes he can somebody say yes he can in jesus name 
So we got to start to believe Jesus is who he says he is. And can I maybe take it a bit further and talk a little bit about how we're training our kids? Because maybe, maybe like, like me, you were raised in a home where when you had a nightmare, and I had many of them as a young girl, I was gripped with fear as a young girl. I couldn't sleep unless the light was on. And if I woke off and somebody turned the lights off, I'd be in a panic and I'd run trying to hit the light switches. And my parents used to always say to me, Leanne, it's just your imagination. There's no monster in your room. There's no boogeyman under the bed. You know what would have been a better idea if they had said, yes, Leanne, there very well may be a monster in your room and a boogeyman under your bed. But you don't need to be afraid of the boogeyman under your bed because the Jesus in you is bigger than the Jesus than the devil in him. So I want you to know today, let's not train our kids. Let's not lie to them when they're kids and then have to re-educate them in the things of God when they're older. But say to them, you don't need to be afraid. If you feel that in your room, it's... If the Jesus is, that is in you is bigger than the devil, then why do you believe Christians can be possessed by devils? That doesn't make any sense. Notice the inconsistency in the theology here. And she's not exegeting Mark 10 at all. It's just the devil trying to stir up some mischief. But the power in you is greater than the power in him. And you can command that devil to get out of your room and everything's going to be okay. Because when Jesus shows up, the devil walks out. Glory, hallelujah. Let's teach our kids how to be warriors. Let's not train them to be wusses. And then have the church have to undo all that messed up thinking when they're adults. I'm telling you today, Jesus, our God, Jehovah Nissi, will fight for you. What area today do you need God to fight for you in? Maybe there's conflict in your family. Maybe there's conflict in your mind. I love the scripture in Isaiah where it talks about what Jesus' death purchased for us. Yeah, they need God to fight to get this woman out of the pulpit and to get pastors who actually rightly handle God's word. Just for us. It says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. In other words, he purchased wholeness in our minds when he hung on that cross. And he shed... No. (laughs) The chastisement that brought us peace is not talking about peace of mind. It's talking about reconciling us to God and ending the hostilities between God and man. We're talking about the shalom that can only exist between God and man as a result of Christ bleeding and dying for our sins. So now she's twisted Isaiah 53. God did not tell her to preach this message. Shed his blood, and as they placed that crown of thorns upon his head, his head bled, so you and I could have redemption in our heads. Oh, my goodness. This is absurd. I want to ask you today, in fact, I'm going to do it a bit different to how I did it in the first service. If you're here today and you're in the midst of a battle, and it may not be a battle of the mind, maybe it's a natural battle, maybe you're fighting somewhere in your job or fighting for your reputation or there's just conflict in your family and you're needing God to intervene, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. There's an anointing here today for God to help you in the midst of your... No, there isn't. There's no anointing that she can deliver there battle. Thank you, courageous women everywhere. Come on, man. you got to step up. I know there's going to be some people here today. And listen, I've been there. Oh, 
I've been there. And I tell you what, Jesus wants to fight for you. Jesus is going to fight for you. And he fights for us in prayer. The Bible says that Jesus is continually interceding for us before the Father. He's praying for your friends. He's praying for you. And he's sending angels to do battle. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you for each and every single one who is standing. Done. What a travesty. That was a mess. Claiming that God told her this, the theology she's, she was spewing cannot be, cannot be substantiated from Scripture. And every time she handled a biblical text, she twisted it. And then she claims that, you know, that there's an anointing for the people and that she can release it by praying for them. Wow, what a mess. So I think you get the point. That is that wasn't a sermon that actually preached Christ. It wasn't a sermon that delivered sound biblical teaching or doctrines that the Bible reveals. That was a woman claiming to hear directly from God, disobeying the clear written word of God while twisting the clear written word of God and releasing not healing or Christ or forgiveness for people but releasing doctrines of demons that leaves people still dead in trespasses and sins and in bondage to the devil. I think you get the idea. All right, we're at the end of another episode of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.